Hello everybody and welcome. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Whether it's the morning, the evening, the middle of the day, whatever time you're watching this, you are so welcome. My name is Nyasha and I'm one of your hosts tonight. You know, it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be a melting pot of just incredible, inspiring talent. Really, I hope that you enjoy it. But you know what, Mide, why don't we introduce people to what Reveal Lounge actually is for those who are just joining us new. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those of you who've never had the privilege uh, of being uh, part of our Reveal Lounge sessions, um, we've been doing this for the last eight years or so, face to face, of course. Um, we've had a number of sessions, normally two, three times a year, where we get a bunch of super talented people to share music, to share spoken word, to even dance. Um, it's just a great bunch of people, a community of um, you know, talented people with a, with a common objective to spread love and to just have a great time um, and, and meet lots of good people. So it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, there are a lot of people who have been performing um, at Reveal Lounge over a number, over a number of years, uh, myself included, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear from me later on as well. And there are a few new people as well who will be joining. Um, but it's, it's a really, really great platform. And I'm hoping that even though this is a, a, a show online, um, that we'll come back to doing this in person um, once all this COVID stuff gets out of the way and you'll see what we're really about and enjoy it. Okay, so, um, you know, we are in unprecedented times and we are usually in bars and pubs. And so if you wanna get that vibe going in your own house, I encourage you to get your drinks and your snacks ready and just get comfortable. Um, but one of the things that really is important to us here at Reveal Lounge is that we have a focus on just bringing hope to people. Um, and one of the ways that we do that is by supporting various different charities. And the charity that we're going to be supporting today is Naomi Children's Fund. And a little bit later on, you're going to hear from the wonderful founder of that charity. And she's going to explain to you what they're up to, what they do, and really looking forward to Christmas, what they're planning for the wonderful children um, that they support here in the United Kingdom and elsewhere in the world. Hello, Fabio. Thank you for Hi. joining us. Hi, Lola and Angie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Fabio, you've been working on a new album. Uh, can you tell us a bit about it? Okay, it's the first ever classical video album, first ever classical visual album. And um, it's split into two halves, it's called 24. And so it's two discs of album, really. And um, there's 24 pieces that I've written, uh, one in every musical key, every major and minor key. And for every track, I've been uh, making and directing um, a special music video, which is basically like a small short film involving dance and um, actors. So that's the project. For, for my latest video, Masquerade, um, I actually was working with an actress, Ellie Turner, which many people know. And um, Ellie and I were bouncing around some ideas. And we just liked the idea of um, her character sort of being transported into another world. And mm. that other world is all to do with theatre and the origins of theatre. And in particular, the Commedia dell'arte, which is um, a, a style of theatre which originated um, a, few year, a few hundred years ago in Italy. But it forms the basis of modern day 
theatre and um, comedy in particular. So there's characters that um, Ellie encounters in this sort of world, and these characters are the ones that um, sort of really form the basis of modern modern theatre today as we know it. So um, that was the inspiration, and we wanted to um, incorporate different styles of dance. So there's classical dance, there's contemporary dance in there, um, even hip hop break dancing, a little bit of that, and um, it was just a, a way for us to fuse everything together into a world that sort of had some cohesion. All right, excellent, thank you. All right, so can you tell us a bit more about your journey um, in terms of music, worship, and um, the highs and the lows, and how you've dealt with this? And um, this, this hopefully will encourage those who are watching this video will experience the different highs and lows, and how has Fabio dealt with it? Tell us. Okay, well, I um, started to play the piano when I was very young, so it's about four and a half, five years old when I started. Yeah. And um, I studied right up to sort of a degree in masters. And I went to King's College London and the Royal, Royal Academy of Music. So I studied at um, both places under some very famous composers. And that's why I majored in composition. Um, at the same time, I've been brought up in a Christian household. And when I started university, I started going to KT and was quite heavily involved. Uh, from the start really <laughs> so I've uh, I've been doing the two sort of together for a long time and um, I, I've just found personally that um, I've always felt that uh, we should serve God with our talents mm -hmm. and I felt that was a call over my life to um, serve him you know in church as well as outside of church and that actually for me that the two sort of go together and I, I, I do believe you know if we we serve God and give him everything that we can do um, he looks after us and takes care of everything else that we need in our lives and that includes work and work opportunities and job opportunities and I can really just summarise and say that the more that I've given into church and just making sure that his kingdom's um, facilitated as best as I can do, uh, I found that the same has happened in my own life, in my own personal um, sort of work and, and personal needs. Uh, excellent. Mm -hmm. So um, I've seen some of your videos and um, and I noticed you've, you've worked with a number of amazing artists and um, talented people. Can you tell us about at least one or two of them and, and how it has been working with them? Um, yeah, well, I, I've been quite fortunate. I've worked with a variety of quite famous singers and um, uh, even this year I've been involved in a very big um, pop album, which I co-wrote some tracks for and that's, that's done very well. Um, but uh, what's been really great about making these videos is that I've uh, had a chance to work with some really great actors. So um, I've worked with people like Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones and Russell Tovey, who's in one of the videos, um, Emma Rigby, George Blagden. And um, I've been recently filming with uh, Ellie Bamba and Douglas Booth. So it's been quite fun sort of getting to work with actors and directing them as well. So it's been, been a new experience for me, but uh, yeah, one that's been really enjoyable. Excellent. Thank you. What's next? Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Okay, well, <laughs> I've only got um, three or four of the videos out so far, so I'm going to be releasing the, the remainder of the videos for the project. And, well, that will be for the first, um, first album, which is part one. So that's 12 of the tracks. I've got another 12 videos to make as well. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. Uh, 
it's still sort of an album in progress that's why we've split it up into the two halves so um yeah hopefully next year we'll sort of connect uh, with filming obviously at the moment it's a little bit harder just with the um sort of restrictions with covid but um we're still sort of not letting us uh, letting that stop us and we've been able to come some small things but um yeah that's what's on the horizon okay well yeah is there anything you'd like to share with um an aspiring artist with like um wondering how do i start where do i go what do i do oh i can't do it i'm not good enough what would you say how would you encourage them well i think um you're always you're, you're never not good enough um you know there's we could always we we are our, our worst enemies and mm -hmm. we can you know choose to listen to negative things that other people say or we can just go for it and i would say to anybody who has a dream just go for it um, and if, if God's really in it, he will just bless it and open the doors for you at mm -hmm. the right time. Um, obviously that's not saying that sometimes we have visions that might not be right for us. And we've, many of us have experienced that, but definitely, um, if you've, um, especially if you've, if you're talented, um, with, with any field within the creative field, I would just say, just, um, you know, make your own opportunities, follow your own path follow your own, your own vision. We, we each have a different path and it's very easy to be discouraged by looking at other people's paths and seeing what they're doing and thinking that we should be doing the same. But I think it's really important for us all to remember that we are each individuals and we, own, we have our own journey and our own lessons to learn and our own path to go down. And it's, it's very hard not to compare yourself to other people and especially in creative industries because it's very easy for artists to compare themselves to other artists and, you know, especially compare their success to other artists. And most importantly, um, poignantly, uh, artists tend to look at other artists who are doing more things than them. And they sort of compare themselves and think, oh, have I wasted my time? Or, you know, I should be doing this. But it's really important just to remember we are really on our own journey and we are individuals and we have our own gifts and those gifts are very important. And specific and will be used in the right way so that's what i would say to somebody who's uh yeah wanting to pursue sort of their gifts and you know and create something with them all right excellent thank you very much for your time oh thank you lola and angie
Hello everyone, hope you're enjoying the show thus far. My name is Teresa and I'm joined by Angeline and we're your hosts for today. And we're joined by special guest, Mina West, who's a spoken word artist. Thank you for giving us your time and welcome. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> so I just wanted to, we're gonna see one of your pieces called Legacy today. I just want you to explain the story behind that. Um, yeah, sure. So um, it's really weird because it's one of those pieces where I knew the title before I knew the whole poem. Um, Legacy, I'm, it's all about women empowerment. Um, I was raised by an amazing mother, single mother, um, who just would sacrifice everything and anything for her children. And I was thinking, I've always been surrounded by strong women. However, when I look around women around me, they always talk about they don't have like key role models um, who are females. Um, we're not seeing enough women leave their own legacy, leave, leave their own mark. They're only ever known as mother or wife, never really standing on their on their own. And plus we're just such amazing, strong women. So I had um, this thing in my heart to just write a piece about, women standing strong and also just encouraging women to not feel afraid to leave their own legacy outside of the stereotypes we try people try to push on us so yeah nice i feel empowered already and i haven't even heard it <laughs> now how did it all begin the writing of the poetry or the spoken word? Initially, it was always just seen as a way of mental release. Like, I'd be frustrated with life. It was more just like a little place with my diary. And I didn't really recognize it as poetry at the time or anything that I would ever consider performing. And it's really interesting because there was a point in my life, I think when I turned around 19 years old, um, even though I didn't consider myself a Christian then, I was, quite, I was quite an angry child. God surrounded me with lots of friends who were Christians who would invite me to church. And I remember just breaking down in tears because I was just thinking like, oh, like, who is this, like, God? Like, I want to know who God is because I've been feeling so empty without him. Um, and that very moment, like when God came into my life, it was the same moment I started writing poetry. Like God, like I tried to sleep and there was just these words God kept on pushing in my brain and I wouldn't be able to sleep because I had to write. And I think that just escalated my poetry career and it made me confident because I knew it wasn't something that I decided to do myself. It was something that I felt God had instructed me to do. So that's that kind of the story around my poetry. That's awesome. What a gift. Wonderful. Yeah. What next now, Mina? So um, for the longest time, I've kind of considered myself a spoken word artist. So a lot of time people would hear me perform. Um, two years ago, I released my first EP. So that was a collection, just six pieces of poetry um, where people can kind of listen on Spotify and iTunes. However, I feel like my poetry over the past couple of years is, a, is developed. And though I've been kind of afraid I'm seeing myself more as a poet for the stage, I want to develop into a poet for the page as well. So I've been working on a a comprehensive like collection of poetry that really depicts my whole journey of poetry, me finding my voice, me feeling confident in that. Um, and I'm planning on releasing that next year. So I'll be releasing my first book of poetry. Um, new territory for me, I'm really nervous, but yeah, I think it's time that I try this new medium in my art. So you've been going for 10 years strong already. So how many pieces have you created and how many more do you think you'll create for the book? 
Um, so the book is slightly finished. It's in the manuscript stage. And this one really is showcasing my journey in poetry. So it's over 40 pieces, I think, at this very moment. I'm, I'm still kind of, there's some pieces I'm cutting out, some pieces I'm keeping in. Um, I'm still going through the editing process right now. But yeah, it's around that many. Okay. So Mina West, thank you for joining us. And we're about to see your piece, Legacy. And I've been Teresa and Angeline here. We'll see you soon. He said, sometimes it's okay for a woman to be seen and not heard. But you see, choosing to be silent in a pollution of noise is not a natural gift I possess. Stressed by this power struggle, we fall in line to battle every time we align into that position of submission. Expecting no action from women when we are coming in different shapes and sizes to just be seen as prizes in the eyes of guys who stare mesmerized by our beauty. But understand we are more than just our looks or our stereotypical household womanly duties when we speak. When we speak, we should be heard, not disrespected or merely seen just as cute. So it gives you an excuse to put us on mute. We are strong. So we fight to ignite our unity. We fight to be seen as equal because this world has been calling men first and women simply their sequel. But please recall that the evidence of your birth always starts with a woman first on this earth, she carries life. Still woman's name never carries, so in my legacy may it stand, in our legacy may we stand, may we stand, may we stand, in our legacy may we stand. I see women, when you feel that God-given power, that sense of intuition, please don't treat it like it's meaningless or pointless superstition. It's honestly admission to a new level, a new position to make an impact, make a change, and it starts with us, accepting ourselves, Rejecting the old rule books and the mainstream's media choice for the ideal look. Every curve, bump and wrinkle, hourglass figure or not, loving our body and loving our skin is a win our legacy will live in. So in my legacy may it stand, in our legacy may we stand, may we stand, may we stand, in our legacy may we stand. In my legacy, may I not be overthrown and only shown in the shadow of a man. May we stand side by side, lifted high, holded hands pushing each other to be greater than can dream boundaries and obstacles being never as hard as it seems so when he says when he says sometimes it's okay for a woman to be seen and not heard i say sometimes it's okay for a woman to jump up and achieve believe in themselves against all odds they grow to the top never stop persevere even when they live in fear their ambitions are clear her legacy will be ongoing, her legacy will keep on showing, and her name not unknowing. Sometimes, 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 she leaves a legacy too.
Hi, I'm Mamiya. And I'm Lola. And today we have with us Monique, who is a professional opera singer. We have such a, a privilege, uh, honour to have her with us today. Lovely to be here with you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Monique. Thanks. So tell us, uh, Monique, how did this start? Well, um, I guess I always wanted to sing and I sang since like an early age, since I was a child, I was always singing around and I joined choirs, uh, but it was like a, a very amateur. Um, but I had much experience in these choirs and um, as a soloist in all the choirs. Uh, but then my, my professional training came uh, much later on in life. That's when I went to conservatory in, uh, in Venice and I started really the professional training so a bit late in life really there's hope for those who would like to start singing but they're thinking oh it's too late for me i can't do this what would your encouragement be to people who feel like oh it's too late they can't do it so if you've got the passion and the talent of course that needs to be also in place then th there is no um you know it's not it's not late it's not late especially nowadays <laughs> on your musical journey to date, um, how would you describe the highs and lows? Because it's not been um, an easy ride. It's always like bumpy up and up and down. I feel that in my musical journey, I have been very, very blessed with many uh, beautiful um, and prestigious um, occasions. Uh, for example, I, I sang in front of the King of Thailand, in front of the royal family. So I've been like really, really blessed with many things. And those are the highs. Uh, the lows are <laughs> the lows are also there because basically um, I've noticed that uh, in all my journey, uh, there's always some uh, sometimes when you feel like really that you're mm, actually you're, you're kind of like weak. So there were many times in which I felt weak, either emotionally or physically even. And um, I, I noticed that in those low moments, those were actually the moments where I was propelled by God to have more success than even when I was like, you know, relying on my own strength. Because I mean, if I rely on my strength and uh, I know that uh, my body is okay, I'm healthy and uh, technically everything is okay, then I kind of like rely on myself and that's okay, that, that's fine. But that's just kind of like a natural thing. But then when I felt um, many times actually, when I felt like really weak and full of doubts and fear and stage fright as well, that can really cripple you and that's very it's 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 um it's very common for all the performing artists mm -hmm. so um that can really cripple you and also uh, as a singer if we feel like weak and the voice is not good because i've got a cold or a cough or something like that then the whole i mean you get like really nervous but i noticed that every time there was something like that God really helped me to overcome that in a supernatural way. And I can only say supernatural. I mean, I can go like into details. Like there was, for example, like one time when I had to learn um, an entire opera that was like last year. And I had to learn an entire opera role by memory in yeah. less than three weeks. And, you know, the, 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 the music score, the whole book was this thick. Oh. And I had like, 
I mean, it was like really stressful, but then um, supernaturally, I mean, I, I did that and the people around me, um, they were all struggling uh, to learn these things and they had learned it even from months before. So I remember that I was in the zone. This is a, a thing that we say uh, in performing arts when you feel that actually you are so relaxed and so peaceful and you just connect with the audience in, in such an amazing way that everything just flows. And I, can, I could feel the, the presence of God inside me that day, like really strongly, I, I can't really explain. I was feeling like I could really remember all the words, I could remember all the music, I did all my movements right, and I was even having so much fun Wow. Uh, it, it, really, it really happens. So that was kind of like um, uh, from a low moment, it really went up. I was saying before about um, the time when I sang for the royal family, not yeah. to boast, because it's also linked to one of my biggest testimonies in my musical career. So uh, there was like this uh, requiem with orchestra that um, I, I had to do uh, in, uh, in memory of a, a princess in Thailand. And she was yeah. the patron of classical music for many years. And the, it was like um, kind of like um, a government performance. It, it, it's really, really demanding. There's a lot of pressure going on. Uh, TV, journal, whatever, like, you know, press. And yeah. I had, I had acute bronchitis. Until the day before the concert, I couldn't really even sing. I went to the rehearsal and the maestro conductor, he looked at me, he's like, are you going to be okay tomorrow? And I'm like, by the grace of God, yes. But I was kind of like trembling, you know, I was like, I don't know, really, you know, I'm just trusting that I will be able to do this. And um, and I was still coughing on the day of the performance. I was going on stage and I was still coughing like really, really bad. Like, can you imagine? And um, my, my legs were trembling. But I remember from my first note until the time when I left the stage, I didn't cough once. And the voice was just I would say normal, but even more than my normal voice. Very clear, very crystalline. Nobody knew that I was sick because mm. if I told them that I was sick, they, of course I, they, they, they saw me coughing, but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see, excuse me, I'm sick, I can't do this. You have to find a replacement. Nobody knew that I was sick. They, they were like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I had, you know, I have acute bronchitis. And they were like, oh, wow, how, how could you sing like that? And that's, that was my testimony to them. It's supernatural. Wow. video we are about to watch, tell us about it. It was organized by Pro Musica Orchestra. And uh, it's a professional orchestra made uh, of uh, many instrumentalists who are coming from all over the place, mainly Thailand, but also Singapore, England. And um, I, I was very happy about this concert as well. It was very difficult music and very demanding, lots of pressure as well. But I was very happy about the result. And um, yeah, this song, um, this piece is by Handel, which is a Baroque composer. And um, it's, it's a coloratura piece. So that means that it's for my kind of voice. It shows like all the agility that I can do with the voice. So. <laughs> I've watched the video already and um, Mamiya um, also mentioned earlier that she really liked it. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, great. Thank you.
you're enjoying the show so far. My name is Teresa and I'm one of your Reveal Lounge hosts this evening. And I'm also joined by... Andrea. Hello, Andrea. And we're also joined by a special guest, Mishana, who's a singer, songwriter, and self-proclaimed superstar. And I see it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this evening. <laughs> Hi. Hello. I'm really happy to be here. Glad the superstar to thing was a joke. But, um, no, uh, you have to believe it, manifest it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> so I wrote a song called Even Angels Cry. And um, the song is about, uh, how can I put it? I suppose over lockdown, when everything slowed down, life slowed down, a lot of the, the things that I now know were distractions faded away um, and what bubbled up was just things I hadn't necessarily processed. So um, recently I'd lost two members of my family and I hadn't really processed all of that. So I think around the time I was thinking about that was when I wrote this song. Um, and I guess through the lyrics, it was just kind of a way of me acknowledging, like I kind of want to stop and remember them and like, it's okay to cry, even angels cry, like, even though I know, you know, they both knew God and they're both in a better place, like, it's okay to be sad about it. Um, the song is a little bit melancholy, but also a little bit hopeful. Uh, so I, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a song. So the, the chorus goes, even angels cry, I don't know why they have no reason to be scared. Even angels cry, I don't know why I'm told they do it because they care. Um, and it was funny because at the time I hadn't even really processed what I was writing. I just was feeling it. I was in my room. Somebody sent me this track to write to and a friend said, oh my goodness, wow, Mishana, like, can you hear what you're singing about? And I was like, I actually don't know. Um, but when I listened to it back when it was finished, I was like, oh my gosh, like I know exactly who and what this is about. Um, so my my hope in sharing it was that it would be like a a lot of the lyrics talk about just like give me a, a second give me an hour give me a day just give me a moment to kind of process and so my hope in sharing it because i don't share all my songs but this one i felt like i wanted to share because particularly over lockdown i think there was almost like a little a lot of pressure to be like go live on your Instagram and share your sparkle with the world or like do something like there's a lot of do pressure that I was feeling anyway um I use that Instagram example just as a, a random aside but uh I think there is like a blessing and kind of stopping and just acknowledging how you feel and sitting in it for a moment and then moving past it I don't know that it's um how everybody deals with it but that's how I did so when I shared it that was what I was hoping that as a song, it would create a little space for someone to do that. Um, and yeah, I really love it. I made a music video for it, which was fun. As I said, over lockdown, I had to get really creative because a lot of the tools and things that I would think to, to use, I couldn't. So um, somebody else recorded the like visuals for me, but we kind of like, liaised on 
how to edit them and what to do. Um, I don't want to say too much about the video because I know you guys are going to play it later, but I had a lot of fun coming up with the concept. I wanted it to be really memorable. I wanted it to be very visceral. Um, and I didn't want to put any faces in it. So that's a little bit of a hint of what it's about, but I don't want to put any faces in it because I didn't want to project my vision of how to interpret those words into it. I kind of wanted it to be a little bit free flowing so that whoever's listening to it can put their own story or their own narrative to the visuals as they wanted to. It's a, a long-winded answer, but yeah. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. So can you finally, can you give us one thing that you learned about yourself or about someone or about life during the lockdown? I think a lot of my relationship with God was tied around like formal church and the process of doing like church things and um, lockdown came and kind of disrupted that. Obviously there was such a blessing in meeting together in person, worshiping together. Um, but I, I um, think the break that lockdown gave me, gave me a nice opportunity to, it kind of made my, like a, a kind of, how can I put it? I would seek those moments of closeness with God in a different way to how I normally would. So sometimes I would maybe just be like, oh, I'm going to go to church and I'll, it's fine. I'll really get into worship when I'm there or I'm going to go to this prayer meeting or, you know, you kind of wait for it and rely on that event. Whereas I think in lockdown, something I definitely learned is like, no, God is literally right here right now. Like um, if I stop and make space to just hear him or connect with him, like he's here. Uh, that was nice. I mean, it's something you know is true, but it was nice to really feel an experience because even now I haven't been to church for six months, which like really hard, like not great, but I still feel like God has been teaching me and like molding me and connecting with me in ways I hadn't really experienced before. So that's probably one big nugget I will take away after this. And finally, Mushana, in addition to what you said, you, you were talking about the lockdown earlier and you said that you were really surprised, positively surprised with something in particular. Can you give us some insights? <laughs> yes, of course. So I would say um, before lockdown, I hadn't really realized it, but my like my relationship with my mother had kind of, it, it had become distant. It wasn't like, um it wasn't negative or sour per se but it just wasn't close there'd been this distance that had kind of developed between us and um i hadn't realized it but i hadn't been going home as much to see her or calling to see her and my dad as much as i used to um and so when lockdown happened i was there for the weekend <laughs> and ended up staying for four months and uh at the time i was like oh my gosh this is like how's this going to work? Because like, I haven't um, spent that much concentrated time with my family. And then in particular, I was kind of thinking about me and my mom and our dynamic, how's this going to work? Um, but I actually now can see in hindsight that that was such, such a blessing because being together every day, um, just chatting, like doing life, looking through old things, um, yeah, just little everyday moments. I really saw God kind of knit together that relationship, that friendship, I suppose, with each other. And we had lots of opportunities to explore 
like misunderstandings or points of friction but it was it was over such a long period of time and in such small little like chunks that you didn't really feel the um like any stress or pain of of the resolution it just kind of happened and by the end like when I left to come back to London I was like oh my gosh I'm really gonna miss my mum like we, we've become so close um and yeah I'm really thankful to God for that because I hadn't really realized it was a bit of a blind spot of mine I had not realized the extent to which like the distance that had built up between us um and you know God in his wisdom was like oh I've just the moment for you two to fix this. Um, and so that's definitely one of the biggest things that's come out of lockdown that I'm like so thankful to God for because I, it wasn't even in my peripheral vision, but you know how God just knows us so well. He actually understands the, the level below what you think you need. Like we might be like, oh God, I, I'm having issues with X, Y, Z, but God actually knows underneath that, that's where the issue lies. And so... Yeah, I would definitely say in, in resolving things in that relationship, it's unlocked a whole bunch of other things that I didn't even know were connected. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really thankful to God for answering a prayer I didn't even know I had. Thank you. So we have been your hosts, Andrea and Teresa. I want to say thank you so much, Mashana, for joining us. You have really drop some wisdom and yeah your lockdown was really about finding yourself and being creative but i hope you enjoy her single even angels cry i gotta get away thousand miles an hour Moments rushing past I feel every second of every minute Crystals through the glass Do you see it as we dream? Glimmers but no last And can you hear it as it whispers? Lessons from the past Maybe I just need a moment, need a second just to breathe Just give me an hour, a day to find me
Cause we're not there It's okay to be wrong And be right at the same time It's okay to be broken And whole in your own mind It's okay if the traffic jams in your mind Keep you up at night It's okay You're okay My name is Afwa and joining me today is the amazing co-host Teresa and we are very excited today because we've got the amazing and talented and beautiful Kemi Bramwell. Um, Kemi is one of the members of the Kingdom Choir who sang at the Royal Wedding and um, the Royal Wedding of Harry and Meghan um, and so she's part of the Kingdom Choir and she's joining us today and we're super super excited to have her. So welcome Kemi. Hello. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. Yeah, really good. Really good. That's good. Okay. So can you tell us what led to a career in music? Um, so I've always sung, always sung. I've grown up in church and um, I sang on the worship team, always sung in choirs. Um, so that's always been something that I've been doing, but it was me doing that alongside um, like study, um, university, and then alongside my my work. Um, and two years ago, so after the royal wedding, I made the decision to leave my job. I was working as an entertainment broker in Holborn and left my job um, and decided to go full time with the choir. Um, there was so much happening after the royal wedding. We got signed to Sony Records and then we had this offer of a tour in um, Australia we, to do the Invictus Games. And I was like, ah, do I want to still do my job or do I want to go to Australia? Do I want to experience some of these things? Um, and in the end, I spoke to my husband and we decided, yeah, go, go ahead and do it. And do something that you love and that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so that led to me kind of being full time in music. So yeah, it was, it was, a, the Royal Wedding was a catalyst. I would never have given up my job otherwise to sing full time. So yeah. Amazing. So we've mentioned the Royal Wedding quite a few yeah. times. So how was your experience singing there, Kemi? It was amazing, to be honest with you. I, um, we found out, um, I think in the, in the March, so March 2018, we, we found out, but we had to keep it a secret. So we couldn't tell anybody. We couldn't tell our family. We couldn't tell our friends. Because if it came out, there'd be a whole lot of drama. So we had to keep it under wraps, which was really difficult. Uh, I kind of got the call while I was, um, I was doing my nails. And, um, you know, the choir director said, listen, there's something really big happening. It's on May the 19th. And I was like, I know that day because I've kind of been watching like Harry and Meghan. I was like, oh my God, yes, it's 
the wedding. So it was just a roller coaster ride leading up to that. Obviously, I was still working full time and trying to juggle rehearsals and doing all that I needed to do. But it was it was absolutely incredible. Um, it was brilliant to be able to. I met the couple um, just before the wedding. Um, six of us were invited to sing for them, so they knew what we were actually doing. <laughs> so that was great. Went to Kensington Palace to to meet them and. They were actually fantastic, really great people. And then on the day, I, I didn't know what to do with myself, really. I was up super early. We had to be at Buckingham Palace at like, oh gosh, I think I think it was about 5.30 in the morning, 5.36. So I didn't really sleep that well the night before. I'd, I'd done my hair, so I was trying very hard when I was sleeping not to move too much because I was like, this hair needs to stay in place, hello. Um, there's a whole loads of black girls with like their head wraps on in the morning at Buckingham Palace, making sure their hair was pristine. And it was just great, just great driving up to Windsor. We had a police escort um, all the way to Windsor. So there was just police everywhere. We got to the castle and again, there was police and security and literally news stations from all over the world on the lawn outside Windsor Castle. And yeah, we went in, started doing our makeup, had a makeup artist and yeah, got ready. And then it was like, all systems go. Sat in sat in the um, in the chapel and we, you, you couldn't believe that you were there. Obviously we weren't allowed our phones, but we were just kind of sitting there like, oh, is this actually really happening? It just felt incredible. Um, and yeah, I, I was really nervous because you knew there were like, not just the fact that there were billions of people watching all over the world, but the queen was there. So it was like, okay, like, let's just make sure we're actually singing in key. Do you know what I mean? There was loads of us. There were, there were, I think on the day that sang, there was over 30 of us. So strength in numbers. Um, didn't want to fall through any holes on the floor because it's quite an old chapel. So just making sure your heels didn't go through. And yeah, it, it was great. It was a great day. It was a beautiful day in terms of the weather. The weather was gorgeous on that day. Um, and just a really lovely, lovely vibe and very emotional actually. So I didn't, didn't want it to end. It was too quick. It ended too quickly. What a once in a lifetime event. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for you personally, mm -hmm. um, how have you gotten through difficult times in your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the difficult patches that you have, like, there are moments, there are seasons that are difficult. I think that the, it's not like a one-time thing that I'd be like, okay, that was a difficult moment. I just think sometimes there are seasons that happen in life um, that you struggle with. Um, and I think the biggest thing that always helps me through, obviously, is my faith, my relationship with God. Um, and that and that connection really and um, when things are really difficult I and I can feel myself changing because I'm generally quite a cool happy person but if I can feel my character not being quite right then I'm, I might have a period of just like like fasting um, and maybe seek discipleship maybe seek a mentor in those times um, to kind of help me through um, something that I, I might be going through. Um, it's always good to pinpoint what it is that's causing you that distress. Um, and then when you know, you can, you know, you can get support and, and help through those times. Um, I, 
I mean, I'd always say my family as well. Absolutely. I've got incredible sisters um, and parents. Um, my husband um, mm. is, is always there for, for me in those times. I think everyone needs a sounding board during difficult seasons, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, kind of sticking, sticking to your, your word, reading, reading your word and trying to make it penetrate. Because when, when you're going through a hard time, it can kind of just feel like it's just water off a duck's back, but um, it's important to, to try and allow God to really penetrate your heart during those times. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kemi. That was awesome. Honestly, the moment I've met you, I've always known that you're amazing, talented, gifted, and it's just Thank amazing you. to see how God is using you. Thank oh, you thank so you much. So much. Great thank you. Well, to see what's next. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been amazing. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. When the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we see, no, I won't be afraid, no, I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. So darling, darling, stand by me. Yeah.
Hello, my name is Vinis, and I'd like to take the next few minutes to share with you some thoughts about love, hope and acceptance. Now, most of you will be familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, a story that's found in the Bible in Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons and the younger of the two sons decided that he wanted to take his share of the inheritance and go off and to do his own thing. The father, recognising that this was not the best choice, recognising, however, that his son had free will and respecting the free will of that son, released the son and released the finances. So the son went off and the son, the Bible says, parted, the fullness of what he did, we don't know. But what we do know is at some point, the money ran out, the fun he was having ran out, his friends ran out, the accommodation he was living in, that ran out, and hope ran out. And this young man became penniless, homeless, friendless, and hopeless. And he hit rock bottom. He had no means of really sustaining the lifestyle he, he knew. So the Bible tells us that he decided to take some kind of a job looking after the pigs and the swines. And he even probably would nibble at some of the food because he was so hungry. While he was doing all of this, it dawned on him that the life I'm living is significantly below what I'm used to. It was below his standards. It was below his destiny. It was below his calling. It was below what his father had intended for him. And this son came to his senses and recognised that the servants in his father's house were better off than he was. So the Bible tells us that this son repented. He humbled himself. He picked himself up and decided to go back home. He prepared a speech for his father to say, please accept me, not even as a son, a servant would be fine, but please accept me back. The father, meanwhile, looked out every day, hoping that the son that had left was coming home. And one day in the distance, the father saw the son coming home. And the father was elated. He ran across the yard, ran and hugged his son. Regardless of what the son had done, how low he had sunk, how badly he maybe have smelt, how the, the muck from the pig's pen, all of this, the son was accepted by the father. And so the father celebrated and this demonstrates to us the love of God the Father. The Father in the parable is equivalent to our Heavenly Father. And the Son in the parable is equivalent to you and I. The Bible says in Romans 3, We've all gone astray, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it says somewhere else that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So no matter what we've done, no matter how low we have sunk in sin, no matter how bad our mistakes, God loves us. And like the Father 
in the parable, he waits for us to repent and to come home. And he extends his hands of love. And we know that through Jesus Christ, we are loved, we are accepted, we are highly favoured, and God's love towards us is unconditional. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity to come home. God will not barge his way into your life. He will not demand, thou shalt, thou shalt. He wants you to make that decision yourself, to come home and to respond to his wooing you and to respond to his love and he will never reject you. And so I'm going to say a very short prayer and I want to give you the opportunity to pray with me to invite God, to invite Jesus into your life. So say this very short prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've said that prayer and you've meant it from the bottom of your heart, then please call us. Call us on 0208 799 6100 and a member of our team will speak to you and help you on your journey following God. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. It's a party, celebration. Turn the music up all over the nation. It's an open invitation. Are you ready for the love revolution?
Hi, my name is Philippa, and I have my co-host with me, Lola, and we have the lovely Pastor Amanda with us, who is going to speak with us about the Naomi Children's Charity. I just wanted to ask you, like, when did the whole Naomi Children's Charity come about? Yes, the charity has been ongoing for over 20 years now, and uh, it was started by a couple of us, and I took it over about 20 years ago. And uh, it's really an exciting charity. I'm very passionate about it. It's a, obviously a children's charity. And we I'm passionate about really helping children, particularly children in deprived situations. And we have those in our own borough, as well as overseas. Okay, so you so you will support so the local borough of Kensington and Chelsea. So yes. I think you probably interact quite a lot with the um, social services and the youth yes. offenders team. Okay, and then is it Romania as well? Romania, Brazil, and we have had, we've also supported children in Benin in an orphanage there and uh, other single events that we don't do every year, but we contribute to on odd occasions. And I know that children is a, it's a dear thing to your heart like even with the children's ministry in Kensington Temple you lead that and, and I know that you are passionate about it so it's, it's lovely to hear that even during the time in Covid you still have this charity running. Mm -hmm. Yes it's running and it's very much running because um, you know coming up now to Christmas we have to we've been fundraising all year and we're particularly wanting this year because there are some really some quite pressing situations where children are in very difficult situations because, because of COVID and parents and care workers are struggling to meet the needs for some of the children. So we really want to get involved there as well. Lovely. All right, excellent. And so, and how have you funded the charity so far? Oh, over the years, we've done many different things from We've had two fashion shows, actually. We had a fashion show way back in 2007, I think it was. And then we had a fashion show again in 2016, which was very exciting. Both fashion shows were amazing, brilliant. And we've done auctions. We've done American auctions. We've done normal style auctions. We've had cake sales. We've had um, jumble sales, bric-a-brac. We've had uh, concerts and um, many other things that we do. We've had walks, 
many different things to raise funds for this charity, Naomi Children's Fund. Excellent, thank you. I think it's just so amazing, because just thinking even back to the fashion show in 2016, that was like a full-on production. Liam McQueen was involved. We had like designs from Amanda Wakely, Bowie Wong. It was so professional. We had like ladies coming doing the makeup, the eyelashes, and just the whole creativity about it. It's just like, it's phenomenal. And I must say, I do take my hat off to you because you really, you're from the, you, you plan from the beginning right to the end. You're, you're involved from morning till evening. You really put your heart in it. And I just wanted to know like, what's some of the feedback that you've got from people, the local authority? Yeah, like what's the feedback that you've got? From the, from the actual fashion show, I had some great feedback because the aim of, not only was it just a fashion show, the aim was also an outreach. It was evangelistic, it was an outreach. So we encouraged people to invite their non-Christian friends and many of them came in. And we actually had a contact of someone in the church whose friend was uh, selling jewelry, an Italian guy. And he came in and uh, people were able to buy some of his jewelry and he gave a gift in the goodie bag that we gave to the people as well. So we had a lot of feedback, people saying, this is a fantastic event. Tell me when you're doing the next one. I had one lady who came and actually offered to put a show on for me and um, just lots of good, good feedback. Okay. Positive. And I must say, uh, I actually have the bracelet. It was Tum. The jewelry was Tum. Yes. I, I have one of the bracelets downstairs. So um, okay. I remember he it was a, remarkable. We had even people from like the local bakery just give donate. Um, what was it, cupcakes and sandwiches? Yes, yes. It was, it was, it was and uh, also what uh, Lee and myself did, we went to the different, I went to Dipatique and I went to a few of them and asked them for samples. And the manager at Dipatique gave me, I think about 300 samples of perfume what? and things. And awesome. Leo got some from another cosmetic uh, company. We got lots of those and then we made the goodie bags. I think everyone, if I recall, everyone got a goodie bag. Because we were yeah. there like before making yeah. the goodie bags. That's up. right. So, yeah, it was yeah. very much a Lola. Yeah. I think Lola was involved in that as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, it was great like, fun. Giving a goodie bag. Great <laughs> <laughs> fun. Very fun. Yes. Okay. And so when you give um the gifts to the children during Christmas period, um, I remember the conversation we had before when you mentioned that. A whole group of people come together and wrap the gifts for the children in the in the local authority. What has been the feedback from the local authority and from the children when receipt of all of these gifts during Christmas? Yes. The local authority, the care worker reports back because she has the feedback from the children. And some of the children will be children in perhaps one parent families, but can't afford to get the Christmas gifts and things for them. So we get feedback from there as well. And it's always been so exciting. The kids have been so excited to open their gift on Christmas morning or whatever time of the day they open it on Christmas. And, uh, you know, there's been things like a big thank you to Kensington Temple. Of course, we put our label on it and we say it's from Kensington Temple and there's usually a little text or something on the back of it as well. You know, it's all part of our outreach. But we've had really positive children excited, can't wait to open their gifts like any child. So, and the local authority have been very, very grateful. You know, the, the exciting thing is we get the donations, we get the money, and then we usually buy a toy for each child. And the local authority sends us a list. 
X number of boys, X whatever the age is, X number of girls. And we go up to the age of 12, we have a cutoff point. And uh, then I have this wonderful lady in the, in the north of England who works in a factory, toy factory. Yeah. And I contact Jill and I give her the list and she's really good at sourcing toys. And then it's all delivered in big uh, crates down to us. And then we have an afternoon when all the staff, uh, we've bought our wrapping paper and our sellotape and everything else and the biscuits and the, the cookies to eat during the time. So all the staff come together and have loads of tables, set them up, and we all wrap them up and put them into respective piles. And social services come and pick them up from us again and distribute them. And it's a great fun thing for the staff. You know, we have such fun wrapping. Mm. We have competitions in wrapping, see who can wrap the neatest parcels <laughs> and all kinds of things. So it's great fun as well as everything else. And it's blessing someone, blessing a child. It's right, lovely excellent. as well to hear just about how you support the Irish traveling community because they're one of the communities that are quite marginalized and, and ostracized mm -hmm. in the Royal Borough of Kensington um, and Chelsea. So it just highlights just how diverse we as a church are and just how unity is such a big thing for us. I think exactly. as you donated to um, the traveling community. So that is that is amazing. Yeah. Have we got anything planned for this Christmas? Did we ask that? I don't think we did. We didn't. And I last year, for the first year, the local authority decided that um, for whatever reason, they didn't want to have the presents last year. Don't, there was a there was a reason, but they decided they would like to do something different. So what they chose to do last year, they wanted to take their children to a theatre, to a play. Mm. So through the charity, we bought tickets. We got we knew someone who worked in the theatre, so we got reduced price. So we bought tickets so that they could take their children to see a musical. I've forgotten which one they went to see now, but they went to see a musical last year, and they were really excited. Amazing oh. feedback from that. Amazing feedback. How excited the children were. For most of them, they'd never been in the theatre before. Oh. They'd been to the cinema and plays, but not the theatre. And they were really, really excited about that. So that was that was a highlight for them last year. Oh. This year, we're, we're, we're trying to dialogue with the local authority this year, but we're not getting um, rapid responses. I think there's so much going on. So mm. we're, they've said they will get back to us, but we need them to get back ASAP in order to put that in place be. what's happening for yeah. Christmas. So mm. there will be something. I don't think it'll be toys this year because of COVID, there won't be, we won't be giving out toys, but mm. we'll, we'll be doing something for them for this year as well. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, um, Pastor Amanda. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's an exciting topic for me to talk about. I love talking about it. I'm very excited. And um, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. So guys, please follow us on all of the platforms, the social media platforms, because we'll be coming back with another one. We're on YouTube, we're on Instagram. Look for us, Reveal Lounge. Um, we really would love to have you back for the next show. And, you know, if you're interested, let us know. All right. Stay safe. Lovely to see you guys. Hope you enjoyed yourselves and we'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone.